Episode. 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 I'm gonna keep that laugh of yours. No. Mocking me and laughing at me. Take that out. Episode four. Oh man. Okay, I got this. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbomb. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hello, Capitods, and welcome back to the Capricorn Podcast. Mm. Last week, we covered the first three episodes of Book Three, Fire. Fire. Which... I thought we're like the best, but these three are our favorite. Now. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. These three are the ones that we always reference throughout the whole. We're not just saying that. If if you've been listening along, yes. we reference these particular episodes <laughs> all the time. All the time. Okay, so we will be covering episodes four to six, and just a little recap from last week. Aang comes back from his coma after being shot down by Azula. He has hair all of a sudden. He wakes up with hair. Yes, he has hair. Uh, the gang is now traveling in Fire Nation territory. So that we got new looks. New looks. For everybody. Yeah, yeah? yeah. Zuko with his girl May. Yes. But he's very conflicted. He doesn't know what he wants in life right now. All he knows is he wants to be with May. Yeah, he's like, May is the only good thing. What yeah. about everything else? Um, and Katara... Has an amazing episode embodying the Painted Lady. She does a lot of good. She she can't sit still mm-hmm. when people are hurting. She yeah. wants to help. I think more than anything, this was truly her episode. Like, and that's why she won last week. Yeah, yeah. On the Easily. Power Easily. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Josh, do you want to tell us about the power ranking? Let's run it. So, in the lead, all by herself. <laughs> Is Katara of the Water Tribe with five points right behind her, her <laughs> older brother Sokka with four. Then the Avatar himself, the namesake of the entire series, the last airbender at three points. And finally, we have Uncle Iroh, Zuko, Azula, and Toph all at two points apiece. But we do get to see a lot more from the Fire Nation kids in this uh, in yes. this episode, so maybe maybe we'll have a uh, have a change of heart, or maybe Sokka's just gonna win the whole thing because obviously maybe. we're maybe. leading to that Sokka being on top of all the cabbage. With that, let's get into episode two, Sokka's master. This episode is solely around Sokka and his growth as a fighter. As essential as Sokka is to the team, he expresses his desire to grow as a fighter and tries to find a master to not only train him, but mentor him. As the episode continues, there are many moving parts and we come to see that Sokka's master, Pian Dao, is not all who he seems to be, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Uncle Arrow, he's in jail, but he's 
getting jacked. Yeah. Like he's getting really jacked up. He grew vertically. Hey, we, um, uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about uh, Chief Okoda and Zaddy Twitter around <laughs> how uh, some, some members of the Avatar fandom are very into Chief Okoda as mm -hmm. a possible partner, as a possible eye candy. <laughs> Weird to see Uncle Iroh go into this shape, but I think the creators have, have something uh, greater in store for him. They are just making him kind of the next... Uncle Zaddy over here. So uh, we'll see what happens with Uncle Iro. So we're going to talk about some of our most memorable moments, quotes, and comments from the episode. Okay. But I think a good thing about episode one, Sokka's Master, is that they address the very real fear, the very real um, trepidation that Sokka feels around being inadequate around a team mm. of vendors. And we've seen them be like kind of the comic foil and be useless in other situations where, does, where you need bending. To be fair, Sokka is second place in our Cabbage Corp rankings because he's such a master. Um, he's such a master strategist. But in this episode, they really show you when you need bending done, Sokka can only be on the side watching Momo. And so this is a big episode for him, for his character growth. And they do wait all the way till season three. And I think it comes in the nick of time. Mm, yeah, I feel like the last book... Sokka's at a place where he's grown a lot just yeah. because of the traveling. But now it's like, okay, what do I have to proactively do now yeah. to grow? But yeah, I loved this moment. I feel like his transparency with the group was something that I feel like... I'm sure he struggled with, right. but I feel like every friend group should have. Because he was feeling insecure and I'm sure he could have just like kept it to himself. Right, right. And just been like, oh no, this is not something I'm going to share. But the honesty he has with sharing this mm. like internal battle right. of feeling insignificant. I just thought it was a really good moment of maturity within the group. And knowing how to deal with not only like the physical demands of the adventure that they have, but the emotional toll that it takes on them. It right. puts on them. Yeah. And it, I think it's... it's, it's masculinity it's not fragile masculinity because yeah. he actually wants this to change right he mm -hmm. wants he's very transparent as you said about his uh, feelings of insecurity and inadequacy and so he says what can i do you know what can i do to help and this is really about that it's like how can we how can we improve not only your own feeling but like Sokka's role on the team yeah. and it, I think it's interesting that it comes in this book because he has grown so much as a man, as a character throughout all this stuff. And while they have, uh, remember when when we first met him, and, him and Katara, he's like, like he talked about bending like it's witchcraft or sorcery. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when he was super fragile about his own masculinity. But now he realizes the power and the strength in it. And out of that comes this idea like, how can I help my team if I can't bend? Mm -hmm. And that's how this whole master conversation comes yeah. out. And Katara's response to this is perfect. She says, I'm sorry you're feeling so down. She validates Absolutely. what he's feeling. Yeah, yeah. But then she encourages saying, like, I hope you know that none of us see you that way. Mm. And Aang and Katara and even Toph, like, share, like, hey, you bring so much to the team, but we understand that you could feel this way. Right, and right, I thought right. that's a really good balance because... Sometimes you could be like, no, 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 don't feel that way. Like, that that's a negative way to think, which it is. But then validating how he's feeling and, like, coming up with these solutions was so healthy. Because they're like, oh, we all had masters. And that's something they talk about. Like, we're only great because we have masters. Yeah. It's like Sokka, yeah, like, they're, they're so clear on me. Like, hey, we all had teachers that told us mm -hmm. what to look out for, how to become better 
soccer, you had no one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you had to become a man and a warrior and a strategist all by yourself. And so we have to talk about Sokka's master, the namesake mm-hmm. of this episode, yes. um, Master Piandao. This is a, a quote. We, we're going to begin with a quote from Master Piandao himself. The way of the sword doesn't belong to any one nation. They belong to us all. Okay, Didn't, did King Boomy not say that before? Did King Boomy not say that before? Oh, God, <laughs> Boomy's back. <laughs> But you're right. Now the the old people yeah. wisdom. Yeah, and the swamp guy. Absolutely. The swamp guy. Like, oh. We're all connected. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this so many times. How like even on Gairo says like the idea of these elements and uh, Guru Patik, the ideas of the four elements being separate and the four nations being separate is also an illusion. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. And so the it's it's really incredible to see that Master Piandao, who is Fire Nation royalty, essentially. He lives on this huge lot, this beautiful castle with Fire Nation albums like, everywhere. Known to be the best. The best of the best in the land, right? He believes in this really beautiful universal truth that the way of the sword, the way of life, doesn't mm-hmm. belong to any one nation. They belong to us all. Which led me to ask the question, when did you know, when did you feel Pandal was a good guy, right? They don't hide too much of this stuff, right? I think the, the twist at the end when Asaka says, no, I'm like, I'm actually lying to you and all that. And Pandal unsheathed his sword. That was mm-hmm. like kind of like tricky because like up till now, you see him has this very uh, um, enlightened, wise individual. Yeah. And anytime we've shown, uh, this, the series has shown wisdom for an older man here in the series, you know that he's kind of, a good character mm-hmm. on the good side. Yeah. So, how about how did you react to Pandal when you saw him first, and what when he was saying the way of the sword doesn't belong to any one nation; they belong to us all. How, what was your first reaction to, to the master? So, I honestly like. I feel like you and me are really good at like predicting who the good and bad guy is, but I didn't catch it until the end. Like, mm. I remember watching this episode and I was like, Sokka, you idiot, why yeah. would you reveal yourself? Also, yeah, for sure. You idiot. And I'm sure Katara and Aang were like, what the F? Know, what are you doing? But I think that's how close Sokka and Master P and Dad got. Right. And he respected him that much that he was like, I'm not going to hide this. Right, right. I can't tell me. a lie. Like, I can't tell a lie to you. And I think that kind of respect was built off of the trust that they had created but i honestly didn't i was like oh my god what's gonna happen yeah but i only honestly caught it when he was like oh like good job Sokka," and i was like oh oh my god plot twist you know because i felt like there he was an amazing teacher but he's still fire nation i guess that was like my judgment like my own judgment yeah, of like, yeah, oh, yeah. Fire Nation. Ooh, so yeah. no matter how good you can be, like I'm always gonna have this view of you. While like honestly with the water na- um the water tribe, when Master Paku Master Paku, yeah. When he showed that side, I in my head was like, No, he's gonna be good. He's, he's gonna, gonna he's good. gonna come around. But yeah, then yeah. for him, I think because I knew he was Fire Nation, I was like, No, no, he couldn't be good which is my own bias of what I've seen the Fire Nation. You're right. Yeah, do. yeah. So I, I definitely think I was late and I was like, oh. This Out is of this nice. old generation, the only two good, quote unquote, good Fire Nation people that we've seen throughout the series have been Zhang Zhang yes. and Uncle Iroh, yeah. who did not believe in the propaganda of their own nation. And the rest of them just owned up to the legacy of the Fire Nation Empire, right? Yeah. And, like, believed in the expansion of it and all the time. So, yeah, I get you. Like, your biases, you've been taught to think, especially, like, if you see Fire Nation emblem and mm-hmm. it's not with, and you're not with Zuko, like, this person's out, like, yeah. no good. 
And also with Zhang Zhang, he isolated himself. That's right. Uncle Iroh, even himself, like, he stepped down from leadership. But this is a man that was... He's living yeah, well. Like, yeah, like, everyone yeah. respected this man. So it's like, I can't help but be biased. Like, there's a reason he's up there. Right. But at the same time, he's not a firebender. That's something, too, that you forget. Like, he's not a firebender. So mm. I'm sure people don't really, like, acknowledge him as much. But he's a, an amazing swordsman. So, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing. What about you? When did you like get that hint of, oh, maybe he's a good guy? I'm trying to remember, like, I'm trying not to make up my own memories and figure <laughs> out when I saw this for the first time. And I think uh, it was because I too, I think I was, I was surprised as well when Sokka was like, oh, I'm lying to you, master. I, I don't deserve idiot. this. Yeah, I was still like, idiot. But as soon as you realize, like, as Master um, Pandao was fighting Sokka at the end, He's very clearly teaching him things while he's sparring with mm. him, and he's he's not striking to kill at all. And it's it's he's speaking to him as like a, as like um as kind of a valued valued opponent, mm. right? Which we haven't seen from any firebender, right? It's been Admiral Zhao has been so arrogant, right, and doesn't respect the spirits. Anytime you have a person in this universe who respects the other person he's fighting, they're usually on the good side. Mm. As is like when. He's teaching Sokka about how to make his sword and what he values about Sokka, his determination, his will. That's why I took you on as a student. We have seen a lot of nuance for these for different characters in the universe, but when you have a character speak in this way, they're usually on the good side. Mm. So I had, a, I had a good idea. And I was just, yeah, I felt rewarded when in the end he's like, mm -hmm. the way of the sword belongs to everyone. Yeah. On a side note, it's an important thing why... Uh, not only is he Sokka's master, Master Pandao, but he's also Zuko's master as well. Yeah. As we find out later in the companion novels, um, Master Pandao is the one who taught Zuko the art of the dual-wielded sword. And if you remember uh, Master Pandao in the Day of Black Sun, ex excuse me, the last episode of the of the entire book, mm -hmm. when he when he's reunited with the White Lotus, he's fighting both with one sword and two swords, showing off where Zuko gets the blue spirit fighting style from. Yeah. And having that wisdom of a man of, of integrity from the White Lotus teach Zuko, it's an added wrinkle to the Uncle Iroh layer of how much good counsel is going into this very, yeah. um, very conflicted child. I feel like Uncle Iroh really tried to set people in his life mm. without making it obvious to Zuko yes. that these are good people that I have put around you and surrounded you with. Right. And that's an interesting fact too. And I think that also gives us a hint to Master Pian Down, like he, how great he was that he got to teach the prince. Right. So. And with, yeah, with, with no questions asked, he's like, this is the best swordsman in the country. Yeah, yeah. But you do have, now talking about Uncle Iroh's counsel. Ah, uh, yes. Talk to me about what this guard says to him. Okay. Uncle Iroh's in prison. Let's set the context, right? He's in prison and he is acting like a... Like a savage, a dog. Yeah, a savage. Right? And what happens is the guard... So this is the last kind of scene we see of Uncle Iroh in this episode. Mm. We see the scenes where Uncle Iroh was working out. We see this play out. And then the last scene is the guard drops the food... Uncle I was like grabbing for it, eating like an animal, and he's the guard says, "Look what you've become." The moment he closes the door, he drop he drops the apple and he takes off of his shirt, and he is two feet taller and jacked, Yoked. and he's like doing these crunches upside down, eating the apple, 
And I just love that contradiction. And this is the first time we actually see him this way. Mm. So we see him working out, but we never get to see like how much he's progressed in this short amount of time, if you really think about it. Right. And I just really, I love how this series always juxtaposes like the opinions and point of views a lot. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice little like, Ongairo is also just confident in himself. He doesn't need to prove himself to anybody else. So. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting how Uncle Iroh, after all the years away training Zuko, he's living out the fantasy or the reality for these people, for his captors, about where they think he is in mm -hmm. life. About who, what kind of villain and what kind of savage he's become. You know he's, what? he's showing them exactly what they want to see. Yeah. You know what this um, scene reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of when King Bumi was trapped yeah. and he says it wasn't time yet right and i remember that scene uncle i was just sitting there and i think he maybe he's mourning zuko and everything and all of a sudden he just opens his eyes and he just starts working out yes and he's like this is it's time for me to get out of here mm. and i just liked that moment and that just wisdom we oh, so good we have uncle iroh yes. and master p and dao in one episode together. all the old people they're coming right back. Now. Yeah, yeah. They're making full circle right now. And and what unites all of them? These uh, these masters of different nations. Yes, the White Lotus. Okay, this is a huge, huge part of us getting hints right yes. now. Okay, so the only time we have really heard of this is when Uncle Iroh has that moment when people are looking for Uncle Iroh and Zuko, and they get help. That's the only real time. Uh -huh. And like, we see the uh, Pai White Lotus Pai Shotile when the two earthbenders are like searching for them and then he find the right, one of the right. bad guys finds it. That's really the only time you see it. But you know in the back of your head, oh, this this is a community. There's something, there's a there's secret society there. thing going on right now. And you just get all these Easter eggs of who's in the society. And to backtrack a little, Master Piandao gives this Paisho Lotus tile to Sokka. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, in a way, you know in the back of your head, like, oh, These they're really good guys. Yes. They're like actually really amazing people. And if he gave it to Sokka and him knowing the Avatar is there, you know like, oh, this is, this is going to be something really big in the future. And you get hints just because they're all, all old people yeah. within this group. And they're all old people. Sokka's like, what is this tile? The door is closed. And if you see the emblem of his, um, of Ma Master P and Dao's door, it is a Fire Nation symbol, but around the rim is the Pai Shou Lotus tile. Oh. And I thought that was just an amazing little scene. Yeah, yeah. But, Like yeah. behind the, the nation, the so nation the, of origin. You know how there's, um, the Pai Shou tile, there's two basically rows. Yeah, there's yeah. the like the little flower part, and then in the middle there's the design of the white lotus. Right, right. right. Instead of the white lotus, it it's was a Fire Nation Fire emblem. Nation yeah, emblem. yeah. And oh, it was so. So good. the white lotus was like it's kind of like underneath and behind everything, right? Yeah. Which is really beautiful. Because I feel like from what we know, we've only seen the connection with the Fire Nation so far right yeah that's true only later on do we see the connection with king Bumi when he comes out but i just love that scene i thought that easter egg was Oof. super nice that's awesome mm -hmm. 
And yeah. this is, I mean, the last time we saw the the White Lotus and the Pai Show Tile was when Zuko and Uncle Iroh are on the run and they they're hiding from those Earthbenders and they mm-hmm. they find uh, kind of refuge inside this like tavern, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's when they talk about the White Lotus. Yeah. And, but we see it from Zuko's point of view. We don't get to see go into the room with Uncle Iroh and the and the and the barkeep. It's just Zuko looking out from a closed door. And yeah. so now they do kind of. They they feed you just just yeah. enough for you to be for you to remember, and I think it's so interesting too, because like when Master Piandao is uh he kind of he's about to strike Sokka, but really kind of concede the victory. Um, he and Ang and Ang and Katara and Toph kind of jump into action. Master Piandao, if you remember, he, he says, "I think I'm a little too old to be fighting the Avatar." Mm-hmm. And he says it without any scorn, you know, when it comes to Fire Nation, people talking about the Avatar, it's usually like either belittling him or talking mm-hmm. about like a, the, the demonic Avatar, but here it's just like with a measure of respect for the Avatar. And so yeah, that's like I'm a really, not, yes, yeah. that's a really, I think, interesting way where all these, the, the White Lotus is understanding their position, you know. Kind of to go off of what you said on in that scene, I really liked how they respected Sokka's decision to fight him alone too. Yes. Because he was like, no, this is my fight. And they waited. They were just watching. And then the moment they were like, okay, like we need to come in. They all like jumped and they're all in their like um, bending positions. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Toph was like this, Aang was like this. It was, it was just a nice moment to see too. But yeah. it's. I think it's a big deal anytime like, what are, if there were real danger and Master Piano was a bad, you know, like a villain here, I think the gang would be able to sense that, you know, but they yeah. give they they give this match um, kind of the honor of, of being able to fight mm-hmm. fight on its own. Yeah. And that's I think that, that proves, like, of the trust they had in him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the trust they had in Sokka and seeing how much he had evolved in this short amount of time, yes. too. Yeah. Final thought. I do have a final thought and or question about this episode. Okay. I think that damn meteor sword was given away very cheaply on the last episode of the series, because it just—he's mm. fighting on the blimp, on the Fire Nation blimp, and it like yes, he gets attacked, but it kind of falls out of his hand, and they're never able to recover it. Sokka's never able to recover true. the meteor sword, and we saw, like throughout all great storytelling, throughout all great fantasy stories, the bond between swordsman and swordswoman mm. and sword Actually, themselves. I did not think about that. It's a beautiful, like when Aragorn gets the, the reforged shards of Narsil, all that. It's a ma- in the same way that uh, King Arthur pulls his sword out of the stone. Like, it's like that is a sacred relationship. And for it to just fall out of his hand and never to be found again, it's something that makes me feel very, like, actual, like, incomplete. Mm. What could have been? Yeah, thinking about how much time he also put in making this sword yeah, to yeah, yeah. his own. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's not like, so good. But I think it relates. It, it, it I, for me, it kind of correlated with when Aang lost his glider. Like, they both lost very important things to right, them right. because of war. But Aang can still airbend and waterbend. Sokka, all he got to do have sword and them jokes. <laughs> sword and them jokes. Come on, Sokka. What I did like was Toph actually got part of that. That's right. You know, right? And that actually is a tool that she uses in the future, which oh. I thought it was pretty cool. Because Toph never, Toph loves anything that Sokka gives her. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Continuing with the Fire Nation. Oh my gosh. Let's get into episode five. The, the beach. beach. It's the episode 
Christian and I have been waiting for for years. We're finally, finally here. I can finally say to you, Christian, that we have arrived here <laughs> at the beach. Ember Island, everyone. Uh, this episode is mainly centered around the adventures of our lovely Fire Nation kids. We got May, my girl, Tylee, Azula, and Zuko on a mini vacation on a weekend to Ember Island. We see a different side of all of them as they experience normal teenage <laughs> drama while dealing with all the different traumas they've had encountered due to their roles in high society and the royal family. Meanwhile, Aang is spotted by two Fire Nation soldiers and word is sent over to the Fire Lord as they encounter the assassins who go set. Or as Sokka likes to call him, Sparky Sparky Boom Man. <laughs> Welcome to the Combustion Times here on Ember Island. Christian, how excited are you to be talking about this? I can't believe we finally got to this point. Uh -huh. I'm sure the listeners have been like, oh my god. It's finally here, so they can finally stop talking about it. Because we have brought it up every single time we've talked about May, Tylee, and Azula. Azula. Yeah. We're always like, okay, but you know, we'll see that side of them yeah, in yeah, yeah, the yeah. beach at the beach. But I really think it's because throughout the series, I think this is the only time we get to see, like we talked about, the teenage drama of who they yeah. are. You know? We love the drama. They're a bit older, they're a bit the older yeah, than yeah. Aang and Katara and Sokka. You know, they're in like relationships. Mm. Zuko and Mayan They just be smooching all the time. Yeah, Ty Lee, get all the boys Ooh. loving her. Yeah, yeah. And Azula is actually the one that doesn't fit in. Which is a different like shift right, in right, dynamic. Right. And you see these sides of Azula that you're like, ah, yeah, she really is a princess. She's not, she's not normal, you know? It's, it's, it's wild because the first few times we see Azula, she's either in like shoulder pad general battle armor mm -hmm. or she's like wearing like this kind of warrior ballet outfit, right? So fierce. And mm -hmm. here we see Azula with her hair down in a bikini and she does not fit in at all, right? She's completely out of place here in the sun and the fun. And um, man, it's, it's, it's such a nice change of pace. I, mm -hmm. We've all, we've discussed long... Uh, long before about we love outfit changes we love special arc episodes we love bottle episodes and here we have just all of our favorite troop of of we thought they were cool they <laughs> turns out they're not very cool of uh fire nation royalty kids and um they have we, no social skills they have no social skills <laughs> and we know this episode's going to go off the rails from the jump because we start off with our two freaky grandma twins lo and lee <laughs> Showing, showing off a very uh, erotic bum-to-bum -bum pose. They're twins. They, they were showing off uh, what they're looking like as young women here on Ember Island. Mm -hmm. And then we just jump cut to them uh, as, as, as respected elderly members of society. But we know it's going to go off the rails. Then we hit up Zuko and May. The in my head, just the first desired couple here in, uh, in, on Ember <laughs> Island in the series. And here, Zuko and Mayor attempting to do some lovey-dovey stuff. Zuko says, he picks up a, a shell and says, here, this is for you. May says, why would I want that? Don't girls like that? Maybe stupid girls. And I'm just like, I'm in. Because I've been Zuko many times at the here, beach. Here, take this flower. Yeah. This shell. Look at this beautiful shell I picked for you. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but some girls like it. Like, Ty Lee liked it here. Yeah. Question, has any man, a doting admirer of yours, given you a shell 
or flower or maybe a bug off the ground and said, this is for you? Yes. Did it, did it warm your heart? No. It made me feel very uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Why? You don't like accepting gifts from men who you don't are not with? Yeah, I just don't. I don't like it. You don't like it at all? Is it because you're not a, gig, a gifter? You know what? I like receiving gifts. I yeah. do. But it's just me knowing the context of why they're giving it is just awkward for me. I'm like, I know you're giving me this because you like me, but like, yeah, yeah. Like, am I supposed to accept it? Like, is that telling you that I like you back? Cause I don't like you back. Right, you know, right, it's right, just, right. it's a different, Oof. you know, tough. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. But I, you know, obviously, yeah. if I'm dating, then that's different. Like, I'm like, oh my god, any kind of gift or any appreciation, I love that. Right, right, right. But if we're not together, I'm like. What if it's someone you're you're like not opposed to seeing yourself in a relationship with? Hypothetically. Okay. Um, would you accept the gift? Say you're this is not your crush. Because I'm sure if you're crushing on someone hard and they gave uh -huh. you a gift, you'd be like, oh my God, this is incredible. I think it depends on my relationship with that person too. Okay. If it's someone like, I'm like, oh, he's like cute. He seems nice. And then he gave me oh. a gift, I'd accept it. But if it was someone closer and I'm unsure, then I feel like I wouldn't want to expedite that. Yeah, yeah. Given that we already have a relationship and I don't want to ruin that relationship. I think that is the biggest thing for me. Teenage so. drama. Teenage drama. But Zuko and May are together. Zuko and May They're are cute. together. They're cute. This they is really just are. This is just not their scene. This isn't. You know what? Zuko wants to be the boyfriend, but May's like, you don't know me at all. Yeah, yeah. You know? Again, this Zuko has not had any um, real affectionate relationship in the past mm -hmm. three years chasing the Avatar. But also, the last time Zuko went on a date was with this girl. Yeah. And she liked that stuff. Where, so oh, good point. Oh. The Tales of Boxing Say. Yeah. Yeah. She liked that kind of stuff. So I think maybe Zuko was like, oh, you know. I have a little oh, experience now. Yeah. yeah. You're have absolutely you, right. You think, have you ever done that to a girl? Like, oh, I kind of like her. I'm going to give her something. Ooh. <sighs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. How That's... has that been received? Is it a May or a Tai Lee? <sighs> Usually a May, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It hasn't been appreciated that uh -huh. Actually, I think... So I am a great fucking gifter. Let me, let me just... Put the expletive warning right now. You are. You are. I'm a great gifter. I'm a great gifter because I also love receiving gifts. So I, I want to match that emotion. Mm -hmm. I yeah. know the receiving gifts isn't a, the biggest love language for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's a big idea to actually get someone. So get an object that that person will love. Mm -hmm. That means a lot to me. That said, that gift, the quality of that gift, I think um, if my heart's really with it, it'll be better. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I really, really take the time to understand and to, to get you something that you'll love. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm kind of into you, the <laughs> gift will be kind of good. You know, Not, I'm really into you. Yeah. yeah. Oh gift. yeah, yeah. So, there are levels. There are okay, levels I to see. this thing. As there so, you know, are levels to to, any to girls that have gotten gifts from Josh. Think of the level of what think she's of like to. Okay. Think of the level. <laughs> and I think of my level right now, which is just hopelessly alone. So that's <laughs> that's where we find ourselves. That's where we are. Yeah, so we see Zuko and May in this interaction. It's super fun because you really get to see, like, wow, they don't know how to socialize and be, like, human beings. Yeah, yeah. But I do think this is because of the war. Because you see the two grandmas, they were, like, 
they had to be high in society because they're taking care of... They have a beach house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have a beach house that Zuko, May, and Azula go to. So I feel like they're in some way related yeah, yeah. to them. But they have their own life. And I truly believe it's because there was no war. Mm. And because there's a war, I think Azula and Zuko weren't able to enjoy certain things that they could have first because they have the accessibility because they're the prince and princess. But also because like they, I'm sure they had their own society that they could just have fun. Right, right. But because of the war, I'm sure they had to be protected and they had to like make sure nothing happened to them. So I think that's a little like indication of wow, they really were in war times. But no one else kind of knew of the war other than the palace because they're on this beach. Everyone's having an amazing time. Right, right, right. Yeah. And also, royal families are usually only allowed to date. Royal family, yeah, which is why that Zuko episode of him with the Earth Kingdom girl is such, it's such a beautiful snapshot because it's like, yes, we are within the war context, but he just gets to be a boy on a date, mm, you know. Yeah, with May, I think, yes, their chemistry is incredible, yes, they're meant to be together, but they're also just like they come both of them come with so much baggage of being who exactly yeah. they are. And I think that's why they work because no one will truly understand the other yeah. like them. And yeah, of course, ha- like I'm not saying like only people within certain si- societies are compatible, but I think that's why many people like it's kind of like different genres in a sense. Like actors and actresses usually date, and it doesn't work out with an actress dating a like a regular person right, because. Right. That regular person will never understand that she has to go on screen kissing another guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff, like, you can only understand the other person when you're in the same boat. And I think that's why Zuko and May work so well. Right. If you just be kissing Brad Pitt on the screen all the time, I'm going to catch some feelings. <laughs> you know? You know? For yeah. Brad Pitt. Anyway. Um, also, <laughs> Zuko and May. This is important to say. This, Chris, this is very important. Mm-hmm. They're young. That's first. Yes. Second. They're really into each other. Third, most of their relationship right now is just hooking up. They want, they're want they exploring each other's bodies. That's true. They this haven't seen the, each other for a long time. Exactly. All this pent-up tension. Yeah, they're just like, they're, you know, they're, they're snogging. They love to be... We've all been there. <laughs> where it's like, you know, at first, if you're super into your crush and maybe you're a little younger, the, the thing you're on your mind all the time is like, I just want to be like physically near that person. Mm-hmm. I just want to be very affectionate to that person. This is really an important episode because Zuko and May have to figure out what the hell it means to be partners and in yeah. a relationship outside of like just the physical touch of it. Especially also when other people are starting to come in mm. their lives now. Mm. Like going to a party together. Like they don't know how to interact as a couple together at a party. Yes. So Zuko just gets jealous when a guy talks to her. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, that's not that's not normal. His like, eye he just he went he saw red. He went crazy. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's like well this it's because it's a social setting. Like right, obviously right. someone's gonna talk to them. You know? It's so, so bad. He, they're in a fight, there obviously some tension there and as soon as he turns around like there's a guy chirping up his girl. Tough. Bad. May, well, bad. May, May was being. May was like, no, fuck that dude. I'm not into him. I'm into you. Yeah. Oof. Okay. All right. Give me some. Give me a little voice work, Christian, for these next two lines, okay? Because these are iconic, iconic in the beach in Ember Island okay. in the whole series. Yes. Azula, this is when they're like, oh, let's play a volleyball game, and she annihilates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only the other team, but the actual physical ball. Right. She like. Blows that stuff up. And this is her line. 
Azula. Yes, we have defeated you for all time. You will never rise from the pain and humiliation. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that's Azula. That's Azula in that's a nutshell. Genius. She's playing a game. And you know what's crazy? Zuko may Tylee, they're like, mm, yeah, we're that's all, her. They're so awkward. They're they just are. like, they're all like, yeah, we're going to play this game together. Yeah. Azula's <laughs> leading it for sure, and they like to take Azula's lead, but they're all just like, oh yeah, we're much com- more comfortable in battle formation than we are yes. like drinking jungle at the like party. They just embody that. They embody the weirdness and understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. like, this is who I am. If you don't like it, I don't care. Because they have May, Tedley, Zuko, and Azula. Like, they're together. They're like their own team. I feel like they have their own insecurities in society, but because they have each other, mm. they don't care as much. No, you're right. You know? They're such a weird ragtag, like, they're yeah. the breakfast club in they just, ways. In their own world, even though they're all kind of insecure, yeah. they're just like, but, you know, you're weird with me, so it's okay. I think the only social person is Ty Lee because she was in the circus, so, yeah, like, yeah. you she know, be, she was she with other people. There. Yeah. Okay, next line from a uh, uh, next kind of point on Azula. Azula flirting. Yeah, <laughs> this was it was it came off very nice in the beginning. I thought she did an amazing job, flawless. She was very pretty, but then the ending. <laughs> she just opened her mouth, you know. It's we all have that feeling. That was intense. Hit it, Christian. That's a sharp outlet, Chan. Careful, you could puncture the hull of an entire class battleship, leaving thousands to drown at sea. Because it's so sharp. She is terrifying and beautiful and also awkward as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Azula, terrifying. She is. But you know... But who's going to teach her this? Her dad? Ozai? Nah. I don't, he, didn't, he didn't court Ursa at all. Yeah. He's, that was arranged, an arranged yeah. marriage. I don't know. I just like, Azula is just truly herself. And her mind is just wired on war. Battleships. Yes. Uh, winning. Victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I, we mentioned before, I truly believe it's because it's wartime. Like it mm. really is because that's all she's known. Her dad teaching her what she has to do to conquer certain things. So when she thinks about relationships and friendships, the whole idea of I'd rather be feared than love plays here. So she thinks it's a compliment when she thinks like, oh, it's so sharp that it could like destroy something. That's a compliment to her because um, the idea of destroying her enemy is how she respects you. And that's why I think she doesn't respect Zuko as much, you know? He's not willing to destroy. You're absolutely yeah. right. And it leads us to one of the more interesting parts of the series. I think mm. another nice moment, a human moment from Azula. She's not very nice to Ty Lee here. It must be said. She uh, says, you make it too easy on the guys. You're a tease. And then when Ty Lee is uh, about to erupt in tears, Azula apologizes and actually comes out and says that it might be because I'm jealous of you. Yeah. What does that say about this 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 grand character? This is just the fire princess, the the fire nation princess. I mean, I wrote this down a little after, but we see so many different sides of Azula. I think, like we talked about, like she doesn't want to harm Zuko in that relationship, but she has to in order for her to prosper. Yes. And I think that's what her friendships are like. She doesn't like naturally want to harm anybody. And she wants relationships, 
but it's innate in her to have this survival instinct, which is why I think in this moment she apologized because this wasn't a moment of I need to show superiority because it was a category where I felt like she wasn't as like, I guess, there wasn't as much of a di desire to conquer over. Mm. So, but I really like this moment. I think this is where you realize, I truly believe in the group, Tylee is a soft spot, even for May. Like, Ty May and Azula, I think, really look at Tylee as, like, the baby of the group. And every girl group has that. Yeah. So, I really She's like baby this spice. moment. Yeah, she really is, like, a little baby. And, May know, is posh spice, like me. <laughs> okay, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I, like, I think Azula's yeah. survival instincts kick in, but now she feels safe enough, or she feels mm. like, oh, this is someone important to me, and, yeah. I, and I need to cover which is, it shows up an incredible amount of humanity for someone who does become the big villain of the series. The and most honestly, one. like, the betrayal of Tylee and May that we see, it's a huge reason why Azula becomes really insecure in yes. herself. Because she truly felt like Azula and Tylee were her friends. And when she realized, of course she wants to be feared rather than loved. She felt Which that is what May says to her, right? Yeah. I, I love Zuko more than I fear you. And for her, it's like in that moment, I think that's when she realized, oh, my friendship with Tylee and May are rooted in fear yeah. and not care. And I think... And I, I don't understand what love is. Yeah, right? and I, I feel bad because moments like this, I wanted her to have a redemption arc because I truly believe... At the bottom of my heart, Azula cared for Tylee and May, even though she manipulated them. Yes. She cared for them, but once they turned her back, their back on her, she lost everything. Because she really, like, mentally was not there after they left her. Because they were two people that she was like, oh, I can, like, count on them in some way. Yeah. But it is to say, I think the important thing is that she did manipulate them in every she single did. way. Even the way that she... Um, she essentially coerced Tylee to join her, right? Because yeah. By pretending, by by uh, acting to burn down the circus that she's working at. Yeah. So it's a friendship, yes, but it's built on fear, manipulation, and Azula does have to deal with the consequences of that. Which, mm -hmm. unfortunately, they don't have a redemption arc in this one. But it, it's important to say, like, if you build your friendship, your relationship on those kind of facets, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah, and I think it's like, uh, honestly, Azula doesn't know better. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's tragic. It really is tragic yeah. in all ways. Yeah. Christian, talk to me about... Let's talk about the, the bonfire. Scene. Okay, yeah. this is the scene that we have always referenced. The emotional core. Yes, so this scene is when all of them come together after the horrendous events of the party where they all leave. Like, Azula's like, what the hell? Like, I can't, how can I not flirt? Uh, Tylee's like, oh my god, like I feel so overwhelmed by all these guys. May and Zuko have a fight with their relationship and they all end up just coming together at this bonfire and one by one they just share like this is why I'm the way I am yeah and we first have May saying like I'm angry you know or like I I care May said um I got everything I wanted as long as I stayed quiet and so like to save her father's political career I just was like um, I wasn't allowed to feel anything, and so that's who exactly what I yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, we see that side of May, which is why we understand, oh, she's become numb to everything because she's not allowed to feel. And if, if she feels, it's essentially going to hurt her at the end. Right. Which is why I think 
Zuko and her relationship is so sensitive because this is the one area both Zuko and Mei have let themselves to feel something. So yeah. anything that rubs them the wrong way can feel like a personal attack to them. And I think Mei shares that. Tai Lee sh shares about her identity. And this is the first time we hear about how she had many siblings. This is a strange backstory, by the way. This is a yes. very strange backstory. But she comes from like a high class, many, many kids in the family. And she just... They're all identical. All identical, which is crazy. And she just felt like she had no identity. And that's why she became this super happy, bubbly person because she was hiding behind the fact that she didn't know who she actually was. Yeah. She was, first she was morphed by her siblings and what they were as a group. But then when she left, she became morphed by the people around her. And she had this, like, she didn't know what to do with it. And then we have Zuko, he's just angry. He's angry boy. First off, I want to say Zuko really fucked up when he says you're a circus freak. That's yeah. very, that's uncalled for. You that is the same level of Katara saying, the stars are so nice today, <laughs> but you can't see them, Tom, because you're blind. That's that level right there. It's just like messed up. Yes. Messed up level. Absolutely. But go ahead, Zuko. Talking yeah, about Zuko's his anger. Zuko's angry. And he's just angry with himself. And I think it, it truly is because he betrayed the one person that always had his back. And I, I think it connects back to Uncle Iroh. Absolutely. And his idea of like, he fought f for this honor and he got everything he wanted. My dad talks to me, yeah. Yeah, but he's not content. And I think this is when he realized everything Uncle Iroh said was true. Uncle Iroh kept on telling him like, that's not going to give you happiness. Mm. And he's like, shoot, it hasn't. It doesn't, and now I've lost the one person that actually had my back Believe through this. Me, yeah. And I'm just mad at myself because I'm sure he remembers a time where he was content in bossing, say. Yeah. Um, and lastly, we see Azula. Azula doesn't talk about her mom that often. This is a moment you mention very often as Azula's core heart and motivation. Yes. And so she just drops it out of nowhere as a passing line, and then it's, it's written off as a joke. But you believe, sincerely, Christian, that yeah. at the heart of it, this is what she is. Yeah, so she shares, oh, I guess we're like, if we're all sharing, my mom thinks I'm a monster. Yeah. And then she says, she's right. So she knows, like, she is a horrible person. Yeah, yeah. But she says, but it still hurts. And I think that is the core, I guess, bitterness and anger that she has not only towards her mom but i think towards zuko that like how can someone that's not good at firebending that's not good at all these things be so loved by for his flaws by his mom but i can't be loved for yeah. my flaws Ooh. you know because killer. yeah zuko and azula both have their flaws her i her idea of i did everything to be perfect but my humanity wasn't there yeah. But Zuko did nothing to be perfect, but his humanity was there. Like, what's the difference between us? We both have flaws, yet I was not loved by mom. Right. And I think that was the core of her downfall at the end was just... Even the scene, like, obviously so many spoilers. The scene, she, she doesn't look to Zuko. She doesn't even reference the dad. Her mom is what has driven her to be so crazy. Right. And we've talked about this before. Both Zuko and Azula only looked at the neglect that they've received from their parents, but right. not the love they've received from the other parent. It was really their parents dealing with their own drama and yeah. it like affected them. And I don't think that was fair for both Azula and Zuko. No, for sure. And I think it's, it's 
the series has a good uh, does a a powerful enough job of telling you who the more tragic character is, right? Because yeah. at the end of this, we see Zuko um, triumphant and Azula in chains, right? Yeah. And I think it shows, as you said before, which parent loved them and which parent neglected them. Because Zuko had the better play here, even though he was banished and all that stuff. He had the love of a mother who actually loved him. Azula only had the correction of her father and the constant pressure from her father mm-hmm. as a genius. And it's it's a man who's un- incapable of doing good in life. Yeah. Right. And I do wonder what if Uncle Iroh was more present in Azula's life. Absolutely. You know, of course she was a lot more harsh, and I really think like she's like a sociopath. I think it's like a it is like mental a, thing. Sure. But I do think what if Uncle Iroh had been more present in her life, even if it's slightly. Like, would that have changed the story? Hey, that's real. Like, we've talked often in the past about what Jet would look like without yeah. the his life. Azula is actually an even closer example and an even more tragic example of um, what might have been had a positive role model stuck around. Yeah, and it, it begs the question of when you have, like, every sibling is different, right? Yeah. But how come some parents or, like, some mentors end up kind of going to one person and not showing that, like, yeah. I guess, love to all the people around them. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, I think it's just, and this is me without being a father, and thing, but it's hard to love people equally. It and really I, is. And I, to be fair, I don't know what, you know, what it feels like to have my own child or children, but mm-hmm. um, it's so subjective and it's so human mm. to maybe love the thing that either you're lacking or that you feel that is most closely resembles you. Yeah. Um, that if you do two or more, it's you're leaving a good chance that you cannot love everyone equally. Yeah. I don't think it's about like loving them the equally, like or the same per se, but like everyone has their own different ways that they feel loved and reassured. And I, I just think like some people are better at expressing yeah, that yeah, 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 that yeah. Form of, uh, I just function. think like for Azula, just this is an episode where I always refer back to when I truly believe she could have had a redemption arc. Yeah. Um, and I think, though, if she did have a redemption arc, it would have been nice for me, but it wouldn't be realistic for me. Because I truly believe Azula went too far. Like, it was just... Mm. She hit a point where it was hard for her to come back yeah. from. Just like uh, Admiral Zhao, when Zuko lent that hand to help him, Admiral Zhao was way too far. Like, right. he would rather die than be in a situation where he's getting help. And I think maybe Azula was there. So, yeah. Oh, at the end, oh, man, when Zuko says, who are you angry at, Zuko? I'm angry at myself. And May sees a man who, yes, is passionate, but also it does not understand what the hell he's going through right now. Yeah. And she um, consoles him. Yeah. And they make up. And they kiss again because they love, they love, they love, they love kissing. They love each other's lips. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice overall episode. Yeah. We didn't really talk about Aang and the moment they had with Combustion Man. Man. Because it'll come again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's wrap this up with episode four. The Avatar and the Fire Lord. Episode four gives us the history behind the war through Avatar Roku and the connection Zuko has to Aang. Aang is visited by Avatar Roku and told what led to this war. 
Meanwhile, Zuko does some history reading himself and comes to find out that his mother was Avatar Roku's granddaughter, making Zuko not only the great-grandson of Fire Lord Sozin, but also the great-grandson of Avatar Roku. Double grandsons! Yeah! Zuko really is the chosen child. The chosen he one. Is. The he is. He really child. is. And the connection he has to Aang, it's like, that's... Your reincarnated great grandfather, right there. Yes, freaky, but also kind of beautiful in a lot of different ways. Yeah, because they end up having an amazing relationship with each yeah. other. It's like the friendship that could have been uh, Sozin and Roku. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they, this and it's it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. Miss it. Wow. So we're finally here. Christian, get the music ready, because when Ang said. Roku, it's the girl who didn't know you were alive. <laughs> and then Roku says, it doesn't hurt to be the Avatar. We're geniuses. Yes. We are. We truly are geniuses yes. because we came up with this phrase before we knew it was even in book three. Right. We just, we just knew there's a heart. There's a heartbeat somewhere. It doesn't hurt to be the Avatar. Yeah. That's a great advantage. <laughs> and, and, and Roku Roku, Roku knew. Roku knew mm-hmm. he had just had to bide his time. And he told Aang the same thing. He said, hey, it gets better. It, it gets, gets better, better from here. <laughs> You're going to hit your girl spurt. Katara going to see all the angular angularity of your face. <laughs> and uh, she's she going to fall in love. And also, because you're the damn avatar. It's important. Yes. A powerful bender. <laughs> I wanted to talk, and this is much to the, the namesake of the episode again, but Prince Sozin and Roku. Mm-hmm. Back when he was just Roku. It's really, um, it's, one sec, Prince Sozin and Roku, before mm-hmm. he becomes the Avatar, just best friends. This is to posit that Roku must have been of some nobility, of some kind of royalty that he was hanging yeah. out with in the, royal, in the royal house and near Sozin so closely. We see Prince Sozin as a fun-loving, kind, and fairly generous man, especially yeah. to his friends. Before all the war and the empire and the conquest. But the, the interesting kind of twist happens here, right? When the fire sages come to uh, the courthouse during Sozin's birthday. Yeah. And Sozin believes something horrible has happened to his father on the front. But instead, they say, we're not here for you, Prince Sozin. And they bow and says, we are, it's an honor to serve you, Avatar Roku. Mm. And what does Sozin do? He bows to his friend. To, yeah. as, as the crown prince of the Fire Nation, he still bows to the Avatar. And so I think that's a really interesting relationship that the royalty has with the Avatar. That before the Hundred Year War, the reverence that the Avatar held in the society was more than that of a king. Yes. That a king, that kings even bowed to the Avatar as... Maybe not quite a deity level, but as a true mm-hmm. uniter of the four nations. And in this scene, you come to realize that Sozin wasn't just like a prick, you know? Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. truly was, like he didn't, this was not the breaking point of their relationship. And no. I think that's really important to acknowledge because you might just think it's a personality thing. No, right, he was born like, like what that. shaped yeah. him was what comes after. And... I think this moment is when you realize like truly who you have around you influences you so damn much. Absolutely. And we, we see when Roku is close by 
we see Shozen um, at his most compassionate, at his most kind. Yes. So happy for Roku. Genuinely, it looks like, and we don't get into his POV just yet, but anytime Roku's interested in a girl, anytime Roku's, you know, um, feeling doubtful about his mm-hmm. journey, Sozin is the one who comforts him. Also, Prince Sozin gives Roku his... Royal hairpiece, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy right. to think about the brotherhood that they had. And I think that's what it makes so makes it so sad. And this was really the downfall of what Avatar Roku did. And that's what he explains ah. to Aang. It was he chose his friend before the role of the Avatar. Yeah. And that it's really sad. It because really you can is sad. see why he chose his friend after because all this time. Yeah. It's like he only saw the good right, right, in right. Sozin, which obviously I feel like any of us would always give our friend the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah, it's just a really sad, really sad history. I mean, let's it. let's let's talk about the yes. the royal headpiece, Let, right? Because I think Roku is so disenfranchised and so discouraged when Sozin finds him, and Sozin realizes like, oh, I have to pick this guy up. He's so sad mm-hmm. because he's like, hey, Avatar, are you gonna you gonna take you know what are you gonna take on your journey? And then. Um, Roku just like despondent says like I was thinking about what to pack until the monks told me that I wasn't allowed to have any earthly possessions and what does Sozin do Sozin equips him with an artifact a royal artifact Mm -hmm. and says they're gonna let you keep this because he knows how important like this is he gives Roku a sense of hope and promise amidst amidst a time where he's overwhelmed by the the responsibility of being the avatar Mm -hmm. So, of course, the soft spot is lingering there forever for Roku. And I truly believe this goes back to how Roku was able to experience every single nation. Yes. And with this, he was able to see, wow, like every single nation has something to bring. Yeah. But Sozin being a prince, he was not exposed to any of that. Right. And I think... He's Fire Nation, Fire Nation only. Yeah, it, it really is that mentality. And I think we are able to see that also when Aang in the headband. Mm. All these kids are just like, oh, we're the good guys. Everyone else is bad. Sure. We're trying to do the better thing because, you know, we talked about the Fire Nation society was actually re- upheld really well. Thriving, economically. Thriving. And yeah. also the, the kind of respect that they had for just them being Fire Nation, I'm sure the the community was like, oh, if we take over and we consider them now a whole Fire Nation, then the poverty in Bossing Se will be gone. Mm. The the technology that the waterbenders need will be there and also for the air nomads. It's like their idea is only through the lens of the Fire Nation and the respect they get because they're Fire Nation. And I think Prince Sozin was only able to see in that lens. Right, you know, and we see we see as much when he's explaining, trying to explain to Roku his grand plan. He says, "We didn't know it when we were when we were growing up, but I was meant to be Fire Lord, and you were meant to be Avatar in our life cycle. What if we share this Fire Nation prosperity?" He uses this word "share," and it masked his true intention, which was maybe it was maybe it was intention in the the good of wanting to share prosperity and economic peace, but. The reality was the power. The power overtook it, right? Yeah. And I think we see that in the greatest villains where it's like they have a believable backstory. It's not mm-hmm. just pure evil. It's not I want to murder these people for the sake of murdering. 
they're, in their sick, twisted way, in the demented way, they're like, I want to share what we have. But how that goes about is mm-hmm. through murder. And I think Wang Shitong is the one who brings this up too. Like, everyone has, everyone thinks they're on the good side. Mm. But ultimately, someone gets hurt. Yeah. And that will create the cycle. And I think that's... He said ultimately human beings are selfish. Yeah. And that's true of every nation that is that has, has had power in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this truly was like the development of that. And Prince Dozen having so much power, it just corrupted him in ways that once Roku was weak, yes, he was able to, and he says it there too. Without you here, all of my plans will be tangible. Right. And in that moment, it's like, as much as Roku is his friend, Sozin is so passionate about what he believes in, even though it's corrupt. Yeah. That he's willing to be like, you know what. I'm choosing this over. And that's what Roku should have done. Yes. That's what Roku should have done, but he didn't choose that. And this is how far gone Sozin's mind has gone because if you remember, he's trying to convince Roku to go along with his plan. Yeah. And he says, like, we're meant to do this together because I didn't know you were going to be the Avatar. You didn't know you were going to be the Avatar. But it turns out that we're in the same life cycle together. Mm -hmm. So let's do this together. He should have known that when Roku disagreed and said, don't bring this up again, that his plan was incorrect. But instead he's like, oh, Roku was a problem all along. Yeah. When he was the one trying to convince Roku that this was a good idea. Yeah. So it really is the power corrupting all, right? Mm-hmm. I think one, one thing you mentioned before was about Roku. Roku's perspective widening because he got to visit all the different nations. It's such an eye-opening thing for us to see Roku age into adulthood by training through all these things. Mm-hmm. And Aang has a year. Aang yeah. has a year to master all these elements and meet all his masters. Roku grew from a, from a teenager into a man by all the years of experience he got through the different nations and how mm-hmm. much that has affected him. Aang literally found, was found by Katara and Sokka and was like, okay, I have 360 days to figure this out. Yeah. Also, when Roku, he goes and visits the Air Nomads first, He's friends with Monkey Yatsu. How beautiful is that? Yeah. That's amazing. And I think that the line that they say is some friendships are so strong, they can even transcend lifetimes. And I think this is a little concept that is in Korra. Absolutely. Like, oh, the scenes with like... The little baby Korra with her, tu- with her tummy, yeah, tummy out. Yeah, yeah. I think like those moments, it's like... I think it's the most heartbreaking for Katara... I truly believe because that's like her husband and now she's he's reincarnated to Korra and yes. he sees parts of Aang and Korra and it's just And Korra like, just getting shellacked and getting slapped around by everybody and yeah. Katara's heart breaks for that. Yeah, and I think like uh, those friendships that Aang created with Toph, Katara and like all of them, it helped Korra yes. so much. You know, and Which it, is why it's so devastating when Korra gets cut off from all her past avatars. Yes. Because that, for for a position that no one else will understand, she she always had a past. For 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 a, mm-hmm. for a job that no one understands, she always had the past avatars to lean on. But that's why it's so heartbreaking, gut wrenching when she gets Rava ripped out of her. Is because yes. her connection with all the past, the her only comfort is severed forever. Yeah, and the kind of advice that Aang was able to have, and the comfort of knowing that. 
there is this spiritual influence behind him because of his past lives yeah. there. It's like you can only imagine how devastating Cora is feeling about this. Right. Yeah. And in the midst of this beautiful lore building of this really serious, serious understanding of when your friends mess up, this is what you must do for the good of the world. Mm -hmm. We just get an incredibly long and drawn out scene of Aang farting in the middle of while he's in the spirit world. He's like, he literally stands up with his eyes closed and just rips one to the, <laughs> and to the, the horror and the shock of all the Team Avatar watching. Mm -hmm. But it's just what the show does. Yes, it's it's made for kids, but at the same time, it strikes a balance always for when it gets it's, really serious. Yeah. It's grounded in the humanity it's of these really so funny characters. so funny, that yes. moment. Oh, man. And then when he gets on the dragon, they're like, what is he doing yeah, with his yeah. body? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely a funny moment. Um, let's now switch the perspective. Yes. To Zuko. So... This is an Aang and Zuko episode. You're yes, absolutely correct. so Zuko, like we mentioned in the summary, Zuko's relationship with Aang and Avatar uh, Roku, his mother was the granddaughter of Avatar Roku, which kind of had to do with why... I think this is why Ursa and Ozai get together too. Like, the prophecy yeah. was... Like, there's this idea like, oh, these two great... I guess connections coming together and that might be very similar to what Sozin believed of right. the prince and the avatar coming together and like now it's the descendant of avatar Roku and um, now Ozai so yes. that's interesting to think about too and it's like oh man of course Zuko is this complicated of course Zuko's family history is this complicated yeah right? yeah and so the first moment we see with Zuko is he's reading all this but he it just doesn't click with him. No. <laughs> He's only thinking of, oh, like, I'm learning about Susan. Yes. Which makes sense, but then he goes to Uncle Iroh, and Uncle Iroh says this, this quote. Evil and good. Okay, this quote. Because understanding the struggle between your two great-grandfathers can help you better understand the battle within yourself. Evil and good are always at war inside you, Zuko. It is your nature, your legacy. And this is the first time Uncle has spoken to him since he's been captured. Yes. But he chooses, he's like, this is how important it is mm -hmm. that, that we talk about this right now, about your history, about why the hell it is that you're so angry from last episode, why you're so angry at yourself. And why he keeps going back and forth. I yes. think that's the biggest thing. Like, I know everyone can be fickle at times, but I think it's so much harder for him because he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. Like, why do I feel this way? Why can I... Why can't I be more like Azula? Yeah. Where it's like, I don't, I can turn off that humanity side, basically. But it's because of the connection he has to Avatar Roku. And granted, I guess, like, Azula does too in a, in a way, but Zuko's the firstborn. Right. That's something to uh, keep in mind, too. But I think this is a hint at Zuko's redemption. And I think this is the moment where a lot of fans are like, <gasps> he's gonna, like, there's still hope for him. Right. Because... In Bossing Say, we're like, there's hope, there's hope, and then Zuko turned, and we're just like, oh my god, it's over, it's the worst. But now this scene shows us, oh, there's another, there's a continuating story to Zuko now. Like, so. Zuko's already such a, a beloved, deep character, mm -hmm. flawed in so many beautiful ways, that I don't think I necessarily needed this to be an extra angle to it, 
But like this is almost the opposite of like Luke, I am your father kind of thing, where you realize like oh like oh his father's evil. Like this is like oh his great grandfather was also the Avatar, of mm, course, you know. Like yeah. this is where it comes from. So again, like I think Zuko is compelling enough, but maybe you have to maybe you say like oh this is how Zuko is because of how um, his backstory looks like, mm-hmm. his legacy, his lineage looks like. But yeah, I don't know. I just I remember seeing be like oh like of course that's nice. But you don't need it. I don't need it. I didn't need mm. it. He's already complicated enough with with the with the upbringing of being royal and being banished by his father. Yeah, I think it, it kind of hinted on the idea and the fact that no matter how you try to raise your kid, like the qualities that you have will end up being in your kid regardless of if you want it or not. And I think that that was really apparent in Zuko and I think the overall lesson that Avatar Roku kind of mentions to Aang is that any person is capable of great good or great evil and every person should be treated as though they are they should be given a chance to basically have this redemption yeah and I think this hints at what Zuko and relationship will be with the game yeah um, and I just really like that moment. I feel like, like you said, I don't think it was needed at all, but it was a nice, like, little depth. Yeah, yeah. It's like it. it ties everything back so neatly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's good. I'm glad that Aang had to, because when the, when he's telling, when Aang is telling the gang about what, what he just went through, they're horrified. They're like, oh my God, how could Fire Lord Sojin betray his best friend mm-hmm. like that? The Fire Nation truly evil. And Aang's like, actually, no, that's, I don't think that was the point. Um, and that's when he goes into like he's like believe like everyone is capable of good evil great good and great evil yeah and he said that out loud only to see Zuko in a couple of episodes and be like nah fam no. yeah we'll never we'll never you mess know? with you um I did want to hit on this last point hit the it. last time we saw Roku was when he visited Aang in the storm and he was super super discouraged and I think it was a really nice connection to this because Roku left saying this is my fault I'm so sorry. And he leaves. And then Princess Yue saves Aang. Yeah. And this next scene is like, hey, I thought about what just happened the last time we met. Let me tell you why this war is what it has become. Yeah. And it's just weird. It's like, usually with Avatar Roku, there's no like continuation story. But I felt like they did a good job of continuing yeah, like yeah. why he brought this up. So. And these spirits are inconsistent in how they tell their own story, yeah. right? And so this shows you, like, Roku had been battling with this his whole life. The mm-hmm. guilt of, of that. As all the avatars feel guilty about something they, they mishandled. Yeah. But I feel like with Avatar Roku, he died knowing, shoot, like, he's going to start a war. Yeah. You know, like, if he Oof. can't even save me, his best friend, right, right, right. so, like, there is nothing left that he can't do. Right. Like, that he won't do. And that's just so scary. Like so many avatars, Roku's life ended in tragedy, right? It's it's a role that is high danger, high risk. Mm-hmm. But for a man to uh, be betrayed by his best friend and be dying from this fumes of and the the, the kind of poisonous fume of of the volcano mm-hmm. on his home island, pretty rough way to go out for Avatar Roku. Yeah, and I'm sure in his head the whole time was like, crap. Right. I messed up. But in this in this story of reincarnation, seeing Aang's baby baby cries being born, cute. That's how it should be. This is it's a continuing cycle. It really is. Let's kind of wrap it up with the power ranking and Avatar State score. So we're at ten for the Avatar State. Yeah, and I think we'll be there honestly until almost the the end, basically. 
Yeah, because he's just training through these times. He's not really. Yeah, uh, and he it doesn't open until, honestly, Father Ozai opens it. Right, right, right. For him. So, spoiler, it's only going to be 11. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. I, so many episodes and 11 times. Close to 60 episodes by the end of this, and only 11, 11. times in Avatar State. And I really thought there was more. If, you, if the listeners at home count an extra one, please let us know. Yes. And we also didn't count a, a few instances where yes. we thought it could be. Avatar State for me is he's fighting with sure. the skills. Um, let's get into the power ranking. This was really hard. I feel like the last episode you can't really like consider in this power ranking because they're just sitting and listening to history. It's like history class. So I think that's a little hard. I do think, well, I think it was unnecessary. I do think out of the the last episode, Zuko gained the most. Yes. Because he was he was moved towards his ultimate destiny and his ultimate friendship mm. with the Avatar because of his acknowledging of that the backstory of his family. And he does kind of reunite with Uncle Iroh here. Yeah. Zuko also comes to some kind of mental relief at the beach. You know, he does air out his grievances. He does get to know not only May but his sister and Ty Lee better. But also, he does call Tylee a circus freak. Not a great moment for Zuko. You know what it is? I think everyone didn't get enough face time. This wasn't like a fighting, showing who's powerful kind yeah. of episode. Yes, Sokka, he was able to build a skill, but... It Sokka was, was clearly the winner of episode one, right? Yeah, but I feel like he was only the winner because you didn't see anybody else. Yeah. I think, if anything, it's Uncle Iroh. He's in the back scene of all of these. You're right. Actually, he's the first and the last. You're right. But I think all of them have to connect with, like, Zuko. Zuko's turmoil, I feel like, is connected to Uncle Iroh. Right. And it, it should be said that the first episode with Uncle Iroh doesn't involve, his, doesn't involve Zuko very heavily at all. Mm. Uncle Iroh is just saying, like, okay, I'm going to buy my time. I'm going to work on my body and my mind and stay, stay, uh, stay strong, mm-hmm. both mentally, physically, spiritually, yeah. all that. So, wow, that's a good that's a good point. I like Uncle Iroh on this as well. Right? No more Sokka! Yeah, yeah, no yeah, more yeah. Sokka! I can't, I can't. So Uncle Iroh, let's talk about Iroh. He's still in prison. He's absolutely still in prison. But he's he jacked sheds, up. He's jacked up, sheds some weight. He's still mentally all there. And in the meanwhile, he's putting together the pieces of motion for Zuko to understand who the hell he really is. Yes. And to the very last point, Zuko seeks him out again. Mm-hmm. And is now closer than ever before to actually acting on his true beliefs. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Iroh did all that from behind a prison cell while getting. How drunk. did he do that? You think like there's White Lotus in like the guards and stuff? I wouldn't put it past him. I think the White Lotus is is in a lot of places we have not yet looked. You know what it reminds me of? Like, have you ever watched the movie Now You See, see Me or like Now You the See Ma- The Magic, magic movie. One? Yeah, yeah. Remember when they're like the last one where they're trying to do like all these tricks yeah, and yeah. like shoot how can we get the chip out and then at the end they realize the guard like the guy that led them to that place was uh-huh. part of the right. whole thing it's like he was always there just in case something went wrong this That's reminds me of like Uncle Iroh like yeah. the white this is what the white lotus is so okay Uncle, Uncle Iroh back on the board he's at three points Tied. Tied with Aang. That's a great note, Christian. I would not have thought of Uncle Iroh, but mm. I, I think that's absolutely correct. Thank you. Okay, so the scoreboard right now. Katara, five in the lead, 
Sok at four sure. in second place. Aang and Uncle Iroh at three. Zuko, Azula, and Toph at two. Two apiece. This was honestly the most eventful three episode arc. One of our favorites. It's, yes. I think it includes a lot of our favorites. Things that we always reference back to. A lot of information. I'm so excited for the next episode. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone knows. I love the Puppet Master. Oh. Guys, it's coming. No. All the episodes we have fallen in love with, coincidentally, is in book three, in Fire. Yeah. So I'm super, super excited. If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to just show some love and support to the Capricorn podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. Thank you guys for listening to the Capricorn Podcast. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at CabbageCorpPod. We will see you guys next week. Why the hell is